With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube with the Empire Media Network. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Leave a comment there. We can have a conversation. Today, I'm joined by salary cap expert Joel Corey, a former NFL agent. He also does a podcast for the Empire Media Network called Inside the Cap, focusing on the business end of the sport and contracts. Big deal right now, as you know. If you want to know the market for players and their contracts, Joel is the man to listen to. Not just during this time of the year, but throughout the year. Joel and I discuss what a deal for Terry McLaurin might look like, Brandon Sheriff's price tag, what it would take to sign Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo after a trade, and would Landon Collins be able to make similar money on the open market, even if he takes a pay cut? But from experience, Joel knows it's not that simple. Some players would prefer to just change teams when offered a pay cut, even if they take less elsewhere. We get into much more than that, including some talk on the defensive line. Before I play my conversation, a couple things. When Washington lands a quarterback, it can't just be about whether that person is an upgrade. Most of them would be. It has to be done through a cost analysis. So, for example, if you want Derek Carr, it's going to cost probably two picks, likely including a first, plus the amount Joel says in a minute that it'll take to sign him. It's definitely north of $30 million. Or would you rather have Garoppolo, who will not cost as much either in picks or money? Or would you rather sign, instead of that, go Jameis Winston for around $10 million, draft a quarterback if one you like is available, and continue to build because you still have assets, and then pursue this quest again next offseason? Everybody wants to get it solved now, but it has to be the right guy. You could throw Mitch Trubisky or possibly Carson Wentz in there as well if he comes free. Point is, it's not just about upgrading, it's also about the cost of the upgrade. Garoppolo will need help around him, not just in talent, but in terms of play calling, by the way. And it's quite possible that Garoppolo was in the perfect spot for him already to maximize his ability. He had a great defense, terrific run game, and a coach who is one of the best play callers in the game in Kyle Shanahan. It's not just about having certain talent around him. It's about knowing how to use it and then doing so with some creativity to help that talent flourish. San Francisco does just that. The one benefit for Washington is they don't play in a division or a conference stacked with quarterbacks. Few quarterbacks would come here and instantly be the second best quarterback in the NFC East. In some cases, they'd be, they'd be the best or at least equal to Dak Prescott, and I, a guy that I do like. But the point is, there's not a lot of depth in the NFC East or in the NFC in general. But while Washington will be aggressive, it also has to be smart. It can't act desperate and just give away whatever to consider that problem solved. And when I've had some conversations with people, I've gotten the sense that they know that, at least when it comes to certain players. A Garoppolo, for instance, that injury history will be a factor. Otherwise, this will lead to deeper issues down the road. 
But I'll also warn you, there will be a sticker shock for you when they pay any of these quarterbacks if they trade for them. But keep in mind, back in the 2016 offseason when they decided to tag Kirk Cousins, remember how much $20 million sounded like? It sounded like a ton. And it's why Washington wouldn't do that, including because they didn't want to guarantee all three years. But cap experts predicted that within a year, he'd slide back down the list because other deals would be done. So listen to what Joel says here about where the cap is headed. All right, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Joel Corey, noted salary cap expert and former NFL agent who also writes for CBS Sports. Again, also check out his Inside the Cap podcast. But for today, we discuss Terry McLaurin's extension and the cost of quarterbacks. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Guys, if you're looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have a little bit of fun, let me tell you about bluechew.com. Bluechew is a unique online service. It delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable form and it's at a fraction of the cost. Bluechew's tablets will help you combat all forms of ED. Plus, it's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is really simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days, and the best part, all done online. Bluetooth's licensed medical providers are going to work with you to find the right ingredient and the strengths for your personal subscription. Plus, their tablets are made in the United States. They prepare, they ship direct, and it's so much cheaper than going through a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free when you use our promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's Bluetooth.com, promo code Time K E I M to receive your first month free, and we thank Blue Chew for being a sponsor of our show. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Joel Corey. All right, now the busiest man at this time of the year is Joel Corey because you are the salary cap expert and a great knowledge because you filled multiple roles in this league, and so that's why I always love talking to you at this time of the year. But I think everybody else does as well. So. I do want to talk first about your podcast. And I know the last one, I believe you had some talk about Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, et cetera, and their contracts. What do you have coming up for future podcasts that people would that need to listen to? Um, probably a franchise tag preview since the 15-day window for designating franchise players open today. So that'll probably be uh, what will come up next. Very good. And it's like I said, it's always good information. And throughout not just this time, but throughout the rest of the season, because as you know, salary cap numbers and contracts always matter every all the time. So I do want to get to some here. I want to get some national stuff or some national names. But let's start here, because Terry McLaurin just finished his third year going into the last year of his deal. What do you what would you foresee as a contract for him? And when do you think something like that might get done? 
Uh, if I'm him, I don't have any urgency because I want to see how the landscape changes in 2022. And mainly other guys who are in my draft class, there are three second round picks in particular that he should be paying attention to. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf. Um, he may not get to their level of uh, money contractually, but the better they do, the better he should do. Um, he's had back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. He's been the leading receiver the past two years. I can't see a scenario where he's going to agree to anything less than the $18 million per year Kenny Galladay got from the Giants, um, which, which has $40 million in overall guarantees and $28 million fully guaranteed at signing. So you'd think he would not get to the level of like DK, Debo, and that group, and Brown? Yeah, just the knots below them. But sometimes the guy who goes last will be able to leapfrog other guys. So that's why he would wait, because let's say they all come in at 21, 22 million per year. Then the 18 I'm talking about, he's probably going to be pushed over 20. Right, right, right. Um, Brandon Sheriff, free agent. Now, this team, they had made an offer, and Martin Mayhew said it publicly, and I'd heard last year that they made him that offer in that 15, 16 per year range. We never know the details, so it always, like, until you know all the details, but we knew he was going to stay on the tag because it made financial sense. What do you see for him now on the open market? Um, what kind of deal would he, do you think he would command? Well, he's not going to no, no pun intended. No pun intended on the command. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to want to make less than the average of the two tags uh, these played under, which is basically 16-5 a year. Historically, we've seen when a Pro Bowl caliber guard hits the open market, he becomes the highest paid player at the position. Right now, that's a tie between Joel Batonio and Joe Tooney at $16 million per year. So I fully anticipate that he's going to be the highest paid guard, at least temporarily, until Quentin Nelson surpasses him. Um, there's one team in particular that has been aggressive in free agency the past two years on the defensive side of the ball that desperately needs to upgrade the offensive line, the Cincinnati Bengals, the big right. holdup of Cincinnati is the only guaranteed money in veteran contracts is a signing bonus. And that might not be attractive when you're trying to set the market in a position. Well, how will his injuries play into this? Cause he's, he hasn't had, I think it's been like six years now or something like that since he's played a full season and not just a full season, but, it's always three, four, five games missed. How will that factor in here, do you think? Well, if I'm the team, I want per-game roster bonuses so I get cap and cash break if he's not active for games. That same issue is probably going to apply to uh, uh, Taron Armstead because he's right. always hurt. Um, Saints can't put a franchise tag on him because when the contract voids, which is after the designation period ends, but you don't see Pro Bowl caliber left tackles in their prime pretty hit, rarely hit they really hit the open market so if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars I've got a ton of cap room my first priority is protecting Trevor Lawrence if I have to make him the Armstead the highest paid tackle in the league so be it with guards because you know again Sheriff 16 and a half for a guard it still sound it still feels high even though that's what the number would be it's still hard to fathom that a guards would be making that kind of money when did you see that change? And was that as much because you get, you know, that's become like, listen, you have to have good linemen all over the place. But then when you get guys like the Aaron Donalds of the world who are rushing inside, you need to have guys who can combat them. Is that, you know, what, what do you think? Well, we saw the guards start to really separate from centers when you had guards like uh, Coletio Simile hitting free agency, then Andrew Norwell, Kevin Zeitler, 
that's where you saw the separation and it's continued. The big change in offensive line pay has been right tackle salaries starting to creep up to left tackle salaries. At one time, Lane Johnson was the highest paid offensive lineman on the right side. And that was until Laramie Tunsil corrected that. And now you've got like going rate for a right tackle at basically 18, 19 million per year of like Ryan Ramsek right now setting the tone for right tackles. Did you, did you like the deal they gave Charles Leno? Yeah, I thought that was a, a good deal for everybody under the circumstances. I don't know if I do a deal right before the end of the regular season. It has to be from an agent standpoint, it has to be a deal where I get exactly what I want my number to do it because your best deal most likely comes right before that two-day window where you can shop yourselves to other teams when, uh, right before free agency starts, which begins on March 14th. And, of course, we have the combine coming up. How vital is that to all of these negotiations and discussions? Yeah, well, the combine is a place where you have agents have meetings with teams and basically tamper because you're not supposed to discuss – contracts or players who are under contract, even though they will be impending free agents, but agents at the very least get an idea of who's in, who's out and whether the target price they have makes sense. Sometimes, at least in the past, when the combine and the start of free agency basically ran into each other, deals would get worked out, but you don't as much have those deals getting worked out in these meetings because you now have that 48 hour window, which started about five years ago, where you can start negotiating before free agency starts. Do you, how often do you think agents have a good idea of who might be after a guy even going into the combine? Cause I've talked to some in the past too. It's like, yeah, they know that a team is interested in them, not because they're tampering, but because they call might call up and say, Hey, how is so-and-so doing? You know, how, how is it? How is his mom? But that's just yeah, you can, you can get it. You can get a sense that way, because particularly if you have a client on that team, it, it might come up in a conversation about another guy. Right. Um, so that's a way teams can kind of cover themselves. We're not having a conversation about this guy. It was kind of a side subject to a different conversation. But, yeah, you might have an idea going in that these are this team might be interested, but you really get an idea based on who schedules meetings with you. Let's say you have, you know four teams need a tight end. And if you, you have a tight end, it's available in those in four teams that you know, have a need schedule meeting with you doesn't take a genius to figure out what guys right. are talking about. Right. And you're talking about a meeting at the combine. Yes. Yeah. 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 Where, where do you think like, where, where do the best deals get done there? Is it, I mean, cause obviously everybody knows prime 47 and all that, but where, like, are we talking like just, you know, is this over drinks is during the day or what, what do you, how do those usually transpire? Oh, sometimes they're morning meetings. They might be in a hotel suite because teams will have a suite at a certain hotel and you go meet with uh, the GM, maybe the cap guy and maybe one other front office person. So they can happen anywhere. It might happen over dinner. It all depends on the schedule because you got to remember right. that they're there for the combine and also they're trying to schedule stuff with other people as well. And you have your own schedule because presumably you have clients who are going to be draft eligible with the combine. You have to try to fit everything in. So it all is based on how everyone's schedule can be accommodated. Has it changed? Has that process changed much for agents, do you think, over the years as far as at the combine? I mean, it's obviously grown big, but has anything really changed for them about how they have to go about the process there? 
Yeah, I think the one thing which has changed is you have that 48-hour pre-negotiation window. Right. So okay. it that's, a big, that's a big kinda, deal. Yeah, it kind of slows down the whole process of trying to exchange numbers, so to speak, which you're not supposed to do, but right. get done. So right. I do remember there was a uh, free agency deal, I forget how many years ago, that was done right when free agency started with Albert Hainsworth. And it's like, there's no way that deal got done that quickly unless something was previously discussed. Right. Yeah. No, I remember that deal very well. So let's go back to um, some Washington stuff. Landon Collins. He's a guy that's going to count 16.2 on the cap this year. I know they want him back, but I also know that there's a chance that the, that the only chance that shouldn't say the only, that one way that he would guarantee back is to restructure or pay cut or whatever. Um, How hard is that with a veteran like that to get that done? And what would be the things that his side would be looking at to make sure it's palatable for him to do that? Well, that's where the combine also comes in handy, that if you have a guy that you think may have to take a pay cut, you do a survey of who might be interested and try to get an idea of how much someone could get paid. If you reject a pay cut and then go from there, if you see that the market won't develop the way you'd like, then the pay cut becomes more attractive. And I'll give an example of a non-combine situation. Um, We used to represent John Randall. Mm. And there was a year Minnesota wanted to have him take a pay cut. Um, And first thing we did was me and my partner split up teams, called around to see what the market would be. Seattle was like, hey, we'll make them whole. So that made it very easy to reject the pay cut from Minnesota. That's how John Randall ended up in Seattle. Now, if you're taking a pay cut, then you still want to be made whole, but then it might be through some sort of not likely to be earned incentives. And the easiest thing to do would be play time because that's probably easier to achieve than a statistical threshold like interceptions. What do you think his value on the open market would be if he's free? What? Would he? What kind of deal do you think he might get? Uh, it won't be the twelve million he's supposed to make. That's right. for sure. Um, right. Could be half of that. Um, so that's one of the things you gotta you have to factor into it. Is how much could I realistically get on the open market versus staying where I am and how much I could make and how much I could potentially make back if I exceed expectations through the incentives. So that, that's why I say, like, to me, it sounds like there's a good chance that something like that could happen here. And Sometimes you get a fun. player who's just offended a team wants to take a pay cut, looks yeah. at it emotionally, and he's like, right. I'm going to go elsewhere. And then, no matter what. Yeah, well, no matter what. That, I, that's not the advisable way to look at it. And that's where the agent's supposed to act as a buffer. But then you start looking at, okay, what coaches around the league had success with him or he has good relationships with and do they have a need at the position and you start targeting those because something I learned very early on, on the agent side of the business was familiarity brings comfort. And I noticed that with Bill Parcells that he had his guys that were giants that followed him to new England, that followed him wherever he went. He had his Parcells guys. And then Belichick, when he went to Cleveland, brought in like the pepper Johnson's the Carl banks of the world. So you kind of see that happen with, let's say, and I was going to ask you it's about happening, that. It's happening right here because uh, how did Kyle, Kyle Allen end up in um, right, right there, Washington? There have been a few guys that have come here for that reason. And so yeah, Curtis Samuel. So, yeah. There's a, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a long list. Thomas Davis the year before, 
But with, that's what I was going to ask you too, with the, as an from an agent's perspective, if your guy, like how much, when you have to, the pay cut or restructure, however it is, how much do you take into account the ego of the player? Can they accept it? Because I remember talking to a GM years ago who did not want to offer a certain player a pay cut here because they felt like it would be a problem for this guy in the locker room if he starts out playing another guy. And so how, how much do you take that into account? And how do you go about convincing the guy that this is actually the best place for you? Well, you've got to look at it. What's in the best interest for your client? Hopefully he looks at it that way. And it's like, look, we're trying to get you in the best position possible to set you up for the future beyond this year. And what's going to do that? If you have to bite the bullet now to stay put and you play well, we'll remember that if they want to do an extension, that'll be factored into those negotiations. So you try to take the emotion out of it. It's harder for the player, but as the agent, you have to be detached and look at it as objectively as possible. And then the other guy I want to ask about, because he'll be coming up not this year, but next is Deron Payne. Right? We talked about him last year too. And I'm just curious what you would see for him in a deal whenever then whenever that deal comes. Well, eventually you can't pay everybody on that Correct. defensive line. And uh, Chase Young was not having the year that was expected. So I don't know how he factors into it when he comes back into it, but do you really want to commit? And I'm calling Jonathan Allen interior defensive lineman. Do you really want to factor in you're going to pay two guys significant money on the interior? Cause he's not, I, I don't, they're not edge rushers. So I don't right. why I consider them interior guys. So you've got one guy, I think 19. So you're probably going 15 or more. Do you really want to do that? I think that's a lot. Because yeah, we're not even talking about the edge rushers yet. Right, exactly. And the, and and those edge rushers last year, you thought those edge edge rushers, if they progressed to where people thought or expected, could be in that twenty five to thirty range. Now, yeah, imagine, I'm gonna hope pump the brakes on that for now. There you go. And so, where would you? Yeah, exactly. So, is it more with those guys still need this to year? More? This year will be pivotal for yeah. those guys. Yeah, and and that's yeah, because you're right. You can't pay them all, and I agree. Like you, we don't know. There's like. I think with Chase, we saw a rookie year. We didn't see it last year. With Montez, I think there were some things to be encouraged by, but then he didn't really play the second half of the year. So we don't know where they're going to go. So, yeah, I, I would think they'd be pivotal this year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. quarterbacks because that's going to be the biggest thing right if if they go out and let's see let's this is start on the list Derek Carr what's an extension look like for him whether it's from the Raiders or a team trading for him well the first thing you're going to look at if you're in a contract year is if I played it out and you had to stick a tag on me how much would that be and you'd average the tag over two years if you're talking non-exclusive that's that's 35 million per year. Most quarterbacks get the exclusive. That's over 40. Now, okay. Derek Carr last time became the highest paid player in the league. First $25 million per year player and said he left some money on the table so he could sign two guys in particular, Gabe Jackson and Khalil Mack. They went one for two. Now, I don't know if Derek Carr is someone who's going to not try to maximize financial gain. If so, 
could be closer to 35. If not, and he's looking to maximize financial gain, we're talking 40. Now, do the Raiders want to pay 40? And if signability becomes an issue, then maybe you look to deal him. And that's where you guys could come in handy because we right. know you guys were looking for swinging for the fences last year. Right. Still want to do that. So, but that, that's where the, the hard part, Joel, is that with quarterbacks, there's a point where it's like, yeah, he's a good quarterback, but at what cost? And so that's, you know what I mean? Like there, these quarterbacks. Yeah, I wouldn't so- be that concerned about that because today's 40 million is going to keep dropping down the totem pole. And here's why I say that, that you have Matthew Stafford, who's going to be able to name his own price if he chooses to exploit leverage this offseason. Aaron Rodgers, unless he does the Drew Brees thing and he takes a discount in his late 30s, he could be the first $50 million per year guy. Kyler Murray's eligible right now. Lamar Jackson's long overdue for an extension. Um, That's four right there. Uh, Your previous quarterback, Kirk Cousins, he's never decided to leave any money on the table. He's in a contract year. He's got maximum leverage because how he structured contracts since getting to Minnesota. That's another guy that's up there. We haven't gotten to the two guys who become eligible for contract extensions after the 2022 regular season, and that's Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. So right. $40 million ain't going to be that much. Plus, you're <laughs> looking at the salary cap from going up and – I've talked to some teams who conservatively are using 225 to 230 for 2023. And I don't know where that would put 2024. Maybe that's 260. So the cap's going to start jumping dramatically as well. So the 40 million, while it sounds, it is monstrous relative to what's going on. It may not be so horrible for. Right. Exactly. Might sound worse than it actually is. Now, if you want a cost contained quarterback, it's Deshaun Watson because he's right. under contract for four years and those four years average 34 million per year. The only thing is you have to have $35 million of cap space to take on his 2022 base salary. And then you also have the issue of having the yeah. sexual assault misconduct um, allegations uh, resolved as well. So then if like Russell Wilson, he'd get over 50. That's another one that I didn't mention that 2023 is his contract year, so you got to deal with him as well. Man, I knew, you know what, Joe, I knew I should have continued down the path of trying to be an NFL quarterback. And, you know, the NFL loves middle-aged quarterbacks, and I I blew my chance. So I I, I Problem is is the money's not fully guaranteed. The most money fully guaranteed at signing an NFL quarterback is Josh Allen's $100 million. Um, In baseball, you can get $400 million fully guaranteed right. if you're the right guy and in basketball you're already having guys signing for over 50 million per year and that's going to keep going yeah. up because you get a percentage of the cap with how their salary maximums work with their cap growth and, do you think that they'd way. ever do you think they'd ever create a separate category for quarterbacks on teams and, and in, in relation to the cap because i've heard some people say they should do have a separate category for quarterbacks and then the rest of the team when it comes to well it cap. didn't come up in the recently uh, ratified CBA, I guess now two years ago, and that CBA runs for about a decade. So you're not going to see an amendment. I wouldn't expect during, during while the CBA is uh, in existence. So 
if that ever happens, it would be in the next incarnation of a CBA. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, what does an extension look like for him? And how much, you know, because there's a lot of things with him because injury history, but he's a good, he's a quarterback who is available. But you know the Niners have to get rid of him. So, but there's going to be a market for him. So what does it look like for him? He might benefit from these high price quarterbacks in terms of the draft capital. If you're not willing to pay the three first round picks and plus that the Texans want for Deshaun Watson, presumably Seattle would want that for Russell Wilson. If they even decide to trade him, he's got a no trade clause. Aaron Rodgers, even though he's older, that's going to be significant draft capital. So he could swoop in under that. Now, I don't see him taking a pay cut from his $27.5 million per year that he got after five or six good games in San Francisco, which made him the highest paid player. He he needs more things going right for him to win, but he can win. We know that. You give him a running game, a decent defense, and some weapons, as long as he's on the field, he produces victories. So you're going to be – over 30 million per year. And then he's going to look at it the same way from that non-exclusive franchise tag. Well, that's 32, then 38, basically. So you're probably going to be in the mid thirties um, with him as well on an extension, but the draft capital is going to be cheaper than those other guys. Right. Right. And, that, and that's the thing. Cause like, that's what I know a team like here, they want to be, a, if they get the right guy, they figure like a Russell Wilson or Rogers, you're going to feel like you can give up some of that capital because you've got the guy. A guy like Garoppolo, you're going to still want to build some way, whether it's with cap or draft picks. So you're not going to have to give up a first round pick for him. No, no, I wouldn't think so. Unless all those other guys, like say Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. Russell Wilson's not being traded. Carr signs an extension. And the Deshaun Watson stuff drags on. Then the draft capital could go up because he's the guy they want. Because I'm assuming nobody's taking on Kirk Cousins' $35 million base salary and then have to give him an extension for what he's going to want. So that's where the draft capital could increase simple supply and demand. If you got multiple teams, then the 49ers can play that to their advantage. But I really look at that draft capital to go between the last time they had a quarterback. Uh, and traded him was Alex Smith went for two twos and what you guys uh, gave up in the Alex Smith deal, which is a third and a player. So probably somewhere between there. I think if they can get a day two pick worst case scenario, they do it. Right. And I I think, I think you're right on that. And then Carson Wentz, another guy, I only have a couple more. So Carson Wentz, if he's cut and I know there could be a trade, but it's, to me, it's a red flag if Frank Reich want, is willing to do that. But that was the only guy who was going to trade for him last time. Right. So, so if he's cut, what is it, what does a deal look like for him at this stage of his career? Well, I'm skeptical about him being cut for a couple of reasons. One, I know you pick up $13 million of cap room, but you have $15 million in dead money because $15 million of his 22 base salary is guaranteed about an offset. Then two, uh, which is to me the bigger issue and maybe the bigger hangout for the Colts is you really don't give up a first and third round pick to have a guy for one year. Right. That's I, tough. I understand Chris Ballard may not want to hang his hat on Carson Wentz because another year like this one and his, they could be looking at uh, having to polish up the, polish up the resume. Yeah. Now there are enough teams which need a quarterback. Let's say, would you, rather have Mason Rudolph or Carson Wentz in Pittsburgh if he's released. 
Yeah. If you are Tampa Bay and you're looking at Blaine Gabbert or bringing back Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota, would you rather have Carson Wentz? Probably Carson Wentz. So, yeah, he might go there for trying to – he's got 15 he's already made. So that's going to make it a lot, of, a lot easier for him to take less money to try to do a one and rehabilitate himself. And then if he plays well, then he vaults back up into that huge market. Right. And just the last one, some free agents. So I'll just get a couple of Trubisky, Mariota, and Jameis, and, you know, Teddy Bridgewater. Is there a big variance there as far as what you think they would get out there? It may be more opportunity because you're trying to get a starting job. Like uh, we saw Jameis signed for, I think, the, we know the bridge quarterback market last year was established by Ryan Fitzpatrick right. and Andy Dalton. So that's basically 10 million on a one where you can max out at 12 to 13 through incentives. Right. I don't think that's really going to change. So you're trying to put yourself in an opportunity to stay a starting quarterback. Now, the one that intrigues me is Jameis with a yeah. homecoming, assuming Tom Brady is actually done. Right, because right. the one thing that I think Jameis has learned from his Sean Payton experience is turnover avoidance. So that he wouldn't quite be as cavalier with Bruce Aaron's no risk it, no, no, no risk it, no biscuit right. approach. That he would be a little more judicious and not throw 30 interceptions because we saw right. that growth with him in New Orleans last year before the injury that he would throw the ball away. There's nothing there, let me throw it away. Right. He did that a lot more than he ever thought he would. So that could be intriguing from the standpoint that he knows the offense, and if you can cut down the turnovers, then that might be a viable option if they can't hit a home run and try to get one of these big-name guys to come in. Right, and then I think in those cases you're also drafting a guy too just in case – to make sure you're covered there. Yeah, but, but this ain't the year compared to the well, last you Yes, you're right. The quarterback, because right. I wonder where Davis Mills would go this year. Um, because he went in the third round in a loaded quarterback draft. Is he considered in this group potential first-round picks? Because these guys are going to get overdrafted because quarterbacks always Correct. do. This group reminds me more of the E.J. Manuel group. 2000, uh, is that 2016, I think? Was that uh, thirteen, he, maybe thirteen. 13. He went yeah. sixteen. He was the yeah, first 16, quarterback at sixteen. Quarterback That's what it was. Yep, yep, yep. Now, if Aaron Rodgers stays put, what could the Packers get for Jordan Love, and where would he be yeah. in the evaluation compared to these guys? He hasn't shown you much on the field, but he was a first-round pick in a year where you had better quarterbacks than this group. True. And I think that's what, you know, it, it may be that they wait and see how he does in the preseason to at least rebuild some of that market for him. But, you know, who, and I guess the key there, Joel, what did you think of him coming out? And if you liked him and you just say, listen, I know what I've seen, but we liked him coming out for this reason and let's go get him. But I don't know that that's this team. So anyway, Joel, hey, listen, I appreciate it. Um, you got anything else you want to plug? Any other stories coming up or anything else? Uh, yeah, I've got a piece I'm working on today for CBSSports.com on 15 to 20 guys who could be in different uniforms next year, either by trade or being released. And Landon Collins will be one of them. Yeah, and, and that's he's he's definitely got to be on that list because I I know they want him back, but I know that that cap hit is not desirable. And yeah, he'll be what, under the he'll be under the release category, not the trade category. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you could not trade him. Hey, what? You know, I forgot to ask about J.D. McKissick because 
you know, he was a guy that people like here, and I know they want to sign him, you know, but he's coming off an injury. What kind of, do you think there's a, would be a big market for him? Well, in that third down back role, he's yeah. probably looking at Naheem Himes at $6 million per year. Okay. I don't know if he can get that. <laughs> okay. There you go. So just wanted to ask that one. Joel, listen, always appreciate you coming on. The, in, the knowledge is always great, and people need to check out the Inside the Cap podcast. Um, there you go. Good stuff. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Joel for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode Friday discussing college draft prospects with Senior Bowl Director Jim Nagy. Talk to you next time.